Awesome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I am your host, Cody Kelly. Look, connect with me on all streaming platforms. I even got to subscribe to the banner below. Go to the YouTube at CV Space K, anchor of the podcast can be heard. But I have an amazing, an amazing episode for you guys tonight. It is What is the Vision for the Church in 2021? So I invited these men of God up here to really clarify that because we've been through a lot. 2020 was a very, 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 very rough year. We thought all things would kind of go back to normal with the election of a new president. It seems like things got worse. We saw the insurrection of our capital. We saw a lot of the ones who share our faith uh, adhere to a side that is provoked injustice, intolerance, bigotry, and all forms of hate. So right now, it's kind of hard to say what the vision of the church is because it feels like it's in disarray. That's why I wanted to do this episode, because we want to get down to it. So I'm going to start off, and I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves, starting with Pastor Patterson. You can introduce yourself. God bless you all, and certainly honored to be a part of this podcast with the inimitable Cody Vernon Kelly. Happy to be here. I'm the executive pastor of Kingdom Temple Church of God in Christ, the senior pastor of Kingdom Temple Church of God in Christ. is none other than Bishop E.R. Patterson, Jr. We're in Kingdom Temple Church of God in Christ, Peoria, Illinois, where we are building God's kingdom by preparing souls to meet the Lord. And I'm again, I'm happy and excited to be a part of this auspicious can- uh, panel of these awesome and anointed men of God. Awesome. Pastor Fears, if you can introduce yourself. I am uh, Pastor Marcel Fears. I'm the senior pastor of Overcomers Life Church, Harvey, Illinois, and uh, most especially uh, father to two amazing sons and husband to a beautiful wife. So I'm just grateful to be a part of what you're doing. Cody, you know, I've already told you, you're doing an incredible, incredible job uh, with this area. I call it ministry. And uh, but I love what you're doing. And I'm glad to be a part of this conversation with my dear brothers tonight. It's going to be good. Awesome. Awesome. Man, you softening me up. I'm about to change my line of questioning for you. Pastor Williams, if you can introduce yourself. I'm Pastor Naaman Williams of the greatest church in the world, a church that takes the limits off, brother of life, church of God in Christ. God bless you. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. And none other than the pastor, Billy Jamel Evans, if you can introduce yourself. God bless uh, everyone. Good to be with you all on tonight. Uh, Certainly. We are certainly thankful for Elder Cody Kelly, who is a member of the greatest church in the world um, and uh, is uh, doing an outstanding job. He leads our young adult ministry. And I just put that out there for Pastor Naaman, who, you know, who just put it out there. So, uh, but we are grateful to be with our brothers and uh, look forward to the conversation. And uh, we are grateful to be with you on tonight. Awesome. Awesome. Well, first question, uh, let's get to it. I'm gonna start with you, Pastor Patterson. So what is it, right? So typically every year, um, I guess church has a theme, right? This theme, I think all religious leaders kind of have a theme, you know, it's in business as well. And they create some type of uh, focus for the year and really what we want to accomplish. So the theme, what is that vision for 2021? Well, I would say that the vision for 2021 with respect to the Church of God in Christ, I can't speak of any other church, uh, Methodist, Presbyterian or Catholic whatsoever. I can only speak uh, for what I would call the greatest uh, church in the world being the Church of God in Christ, not because of our numbers, but because of our doctrine of holiness, sanctification 
and righteousness. And of course, the uh, emphasis on salvation and the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongue. Uh, I believe that this year is a year of true repentance, a year of true repentance, a year of true restoration to align ourselves with God's will and his plan for our church and for our ministry. And the reason why I say that is we had an unprecedented year last year. The Church of God in Christ was hit hard. Matter of fact, we were hit probably more uh, severely than any other denomination. Uh, we lost 28 bishops. We lost 28 bishops. And uh, four of those bishops certainly were members of the general board. One was a former member of the general board. Uh, besides that, we've lost bishop wives. We lost supervisors. Uh, we lost uh, administrative assistants and adjutant overseers. And when you face something like that, uh, there can't be a rush to move forward. There always has to be a pause uh, where we're asking, Lord, what lack we yet? Uh, Lord, where are we going? And I believe that every great pause begins with true humility and true repentance. Uh, that's what I've been saying at our local church. That's what I've been saying in our city, uh, even in our jurisdiction. Uh, let's realign ourselves with God's word and God's will, because right now is a great time for the church. This is a great time to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world with so many other hypocrites among us, with so many other factions among us and persons that are misrepresenting us. This is a great time to be the salt and the light. So I believe we got to get back uh, to uh, true repentance and asking God, okay, God, what are our marching orders now? Awesome. Pastor Marcel, hypocrites. That's a strong word, right? Um, you've seen it all. We've had uh, ambiguity within the Christian sect. What is the vision, right? Uh, what do you tell your congregation for 2021 with all that's going on? Uh, well, I think it's, and thank you for the question. Um, it's a, um, it's a question that can be looked at in, in a number of ways. I will say this, um, I have a extreme focus on the body of Christ. I believe that um, that when as it relates to vision, that God's um, mission and vision has never changed. But what God does do, everybody has a part to play in the vision. So he has to be unique in what he gives you to do because it's going to be targeted in the overall plan. So um, what I believe, what I heard God saying to me is that if you do what I tell you, you'll see my results. And that means Pastor Naaman, Pastor Evans, Pastor Patterson, all of us has an assignment from God. And all of our assignment may be different. And that will equal out to a particular vision for a particular people at a particular time. And that is aside from the world, again, not just organizationally from my perspective, but for as the body of Christ. Because one of the things we got to see, what I'm, what God told me to tell our church this year is that for our local church, is it is our year of kingdom expansion. That means growth on purpose. That means God is not just growing us anymore just to be big, but he's growing us strategically to meet the needs of people in the world. And it's kingdom expansion. And now that particular focus may be different from Pastor Naaman's 
on, on the south side of Chicago because to meet the plan of the return of the Lord, God may be telling him to work a particular vineyard in a particular way. But what God is going to do in the middle of chaos, if you remember when the plagues came in the book of Exodus and, and the firstborn was dying, the Bible says that it's going to be still chaos in the world, but I will put a difference between Egypt and Israel. And that's only going to be based on if Israel here, what God is saying. And so when we talk about hypocrites and we talk about that's not my focus, my total focus is to carry out what God has given us to do in this season and to make sure that we're preaching the gospel that's not um, a watered down gospel to meet the culture, but a powerful gospel that changes the culture. So that's a, that's why I believe where we are in this season. Awesome. Pastor Evans, um, it, it seems like to me just listening to uh, Pastor Patterson and Pastor Fears, um, there's diversity in what thus saith the Lord. Each theme is allocated to a specific group uh, within the body of Christ. Uh, the good and bad, the good is God can speak to you directly. The bad is uh, sometimes when there isn't uh, consistency, doubt is created. So you, you know, so the Lord has given you the year of the stretch, correct? So where does this tie into, right? So you're talking about a, a, um, a economic collapse. You're talking about a city in Chicago that has particularly been hit hard. And now we have our own dilemmas and now we're in the midst of winter and what Dr. Fauci has called the worst time uh, for COVID, the year of the stretch. How does this even correlate? So, um, again, thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, the year of the stretch and Pastor Fears hit, it, hit on it. It really differs from body to body in the sense that each of us has our own assignment uh, for what the Lord has given us for the vineyard where we are serving. Our, the year of the stretch for our local assembly is that we would stretch out of our comfort zones and move into uh, doing uh, what we thought we could not ordinarily do. And so that's where our focus is, is really stretching our mindset, stretching our capacity to be able to do things for the kingdom uh, that we would not ordinarily do uh, and that we thought we could not do. And so allowing God uh, to, as we are taking the theme scripture from Isaiah, the 54th chapter, enlarging our tents, uh, stretching forth our curtains, uh, and we will be expanding on the right and on the left, you'll be breaking forth. But the reason for that was because uh, the Lord had already given the word to Isaiah that when they came back into the land, they were going to be expanding and they needed room enough to uh to 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 men or to to gather in all the people that they were going to have because they were going to be more after than before and so the lord tells them they've got to enlarge their tents right and so this is our understanding and this is our focus which i think that if if people in our local assemblies are stretching beyond their capacity, then that, that, that means that they are going out and they are ministering. They are winning souls to Christ because they are going beyond themselves and allowing God to expand them. So it is connected in that sense that the people of people, because 
uh, Elder Elder Patterson alluded to this idea that the the overall church, what is God calling us to, and 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 it's not changed. Our our job is to win souls to Christ. Our job has to be uh, ministering uh, to the to the needs of the believer and to the to the to the communities in which we are serving. Uh, and so we've got to stretch, right? And and that means that uh, we. M- may have to come out of ourselves and be uncomfortable for the sake of ministry and for the kingdom. I like the answer. Very Wolf Blitzer-like. I like the answer. Pastor Naaman, uh, I'm going to let you address your theme and then I have a follow-up question for you. So what 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 has God told you? What is the theme for the church or the vision for the church? Let's say? Well, for us, it's the year of investment. It's the year of investment, and it's amazing that it goes along with kingdom expansion and it goes along with stretching. Um, I I believe that where we are as a local ministry, um, we have done some things well down through the years, but um, the Bible lets us know that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. So many times for years, all we was in churches is saying, reach up and grab it. Like, it's just that easy. But if you look at the natural market, the market right now, it's a seller's market in real estate. So it means that you'll be able to get things that used to be real high. You'll be able to get it on the low. So we are just looking for things to invest in as well as in ourselves, as well as in others, as well as in the gospel. And as well as in um, our local ministry, Bread of Life. So we're trying to make sure that we are invested um, because what have happened, we've been doing virtual um, ministry and stuff like that. It's not the same. So we got to make sure that we're still invested. So for us, it's the year of investment. So let me let me follow. Does the current climate um, of society dampen the message? Um, If somebody is struggling uh, to pay rent, um, somebody is struggling to put food on the table, uh, somebody is tired of turning on the TV and watching the fall of America. Does all this create confusion to, to the believer or to those who are interested in faith? Um, I don't think anybody would argue against these aims, but does the climate itself, is it counteractive or is it counterintuitive or is this like uh, speaking to the wind or speaking to the dry bones? You're talking to me? Yeah, talking to you. Okay. Uh, no, the, the, the mess is definitely haven't dampened at all. Matter of fact, it's, it's, it's more on fire than it ever, than it ever was. We have been put in the position. Um, I, I don't know who said it. They, they mentioned the salt, but we have been put in a position to pass the salt that we are actually the seasoning of the world. So we have this opportunity that even in the midst of what's going on, we have the ability to be the light. And, and, um, and Cody, you, you mentioned that the things that are happening with bills and things of that nature, I'm sure that these pastors would attest that the church does more than people think that we do behind the scenes for particular situations that we don't talk about because we should talk about it. But we are there for um, our local church and even our communities more than people would say that we are. I believe that. I believe that. I'm going to throw this one to you, Pastor Evans. Um, let's take it up a notch. Um, politics makes strange bedfellows, right? Old adage. Should we stop embracing 
uh, these political leaders? Does the church need to break away uh, from that whole just realm? I think what was demonstrated in 2020 was the abuse of faith or the weaponization of it, right? That now has created, uh, um, I won't say animosity, but definitely deep in the rift that was already existing. If, if, a, if a political leader comes to you and wants to address your congregation, should the church now take an affirmative stance and say, hey, look, I appreciate you. You're free to worship here, but there will be no messages of political insight in the congregation. What say ye? My King James, that question. <laughs> what say ye? Um, so uh, your grandfather taught me that uh, hmm. politics makes strange bedfellows. Um, here, I, I think that we cannot uh, separate ourselves from the politician. However, the politician needs to know that we are on the side of righteousness, holiness, and biblical understanding and biblical doctrine. Uh, I mentioned the other night, uh, I was running revival uh, uh, for Pastor Fears, Marcel Fears, and I mentioned that I believe that in front of our eyes, we are seeing, and we're getting ready to see even on a greater scale, uh, the Bible being fulfilled, that judgment is going to start at the house of God, because we see this clear divide, uh, and, and and we see a clear divide between the right and the left, where you have individuals who hold the Constitution, uh, the 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 United States of America as an institution, on par with their Christianity. And uh, when you when you have this when you have this uh, uh, unbalance or imbalance, rather, you will begin to see this great divide. And therefore, you will have individuals who, uh, you know, believe in in white superiority and and preaching from the pulpit. And 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 because uh, they have been tainted by culture and politics. So I don't think that we should separate ourselves. Uh, listen, I'm not going to separate myself from my alderman. Uh, my alderman has been very good to our church, uh, and uh, he has he has we've we've gained a lot of favor with him. So I'm not going to separate myself from him, but he will know. And the mayor has been to our church. Uh, they will hear the gospel. They will know what we stand for, and we cannot. The church cannot afford to sell out in this season. We can't because lives are at stake and, and, and souls are on the line. Awesome. Pastor Patterson, how do you address the Christian right? Uh, lives are at stake, souls on the, are on the line, uh, yet you have the Franklin Graham and, and you know, ites that are kind of um, hell bent, I think is the best way I can phrase it on supporting, um, this lunacy. How do you, how do you separate how, cause it's, it's going to come to a tipping point where you have to say no, right? right? How do you address the gospel in a way that says, no, you know, the, the pecking order of God is not, you know, Jesus, Moses, and Ronald Reagan. Where do you draw the line and how do you separate that? Excellent question, and thank you for uh, addressing that to me. Um, the The word that you used is gospel. The gospel is the truth of God. And that's how we separate ourselves from current issues, from ideologies, from doctrines. We continue 
to speak and to echo the truth. The truth as we know it to be is found in the written word of God. And that's why it's so important for us to have a spiritual and a scriptural foundation for all that we do. And uh, when persons are promoting uh, ideologues or political uh, mantras that are inconsistent with the word of God, then we again give them the truth of God. Jesus lets us know, he says, in the last days, he said, I'm going to separate. What he's saying is the father will be against the, uh, the son, the mother against the daughter, so forth and so on. What's going to cause that division is the truth. You see, when truth is given, you have to make a decision. And that's where we are. Persons such as Franklin Graham, as you said, who has equated those 10 uh, Republican senators uh, to Judas, as if Donald Trump uh, is Jesus or a messianic uh, uh, person. Uh, that's what we're battling against. But again, it's a battle only of truth. But we continue to speak that and, and, re, and uh, uh, recite that uh, in our Facebook posts, on Twitter, uh, on Instagram. We have to continually state what God's word says. And then we have to live the truth. Uh, we dilute our gospel. We dilute our message. We dilute it when we are not uh, consistent with our message and with our sayings and persons find an opportunity to blaspheme God based upon how we live. So when we live it and when we speak it, uh, it becomes apparent. I love it. Let's let's talk about living it. Uh, and Pastor Fritz, I'm going to allocate this question to you. I think this is, you know, uh, there is this fantasy or maybe a desire uh, that I am seeing with younger people of faith, I think is the best way to phrase it, um, that there is uh, prominence, um, social clout. I can increase my brand, my followers. I can get to that 1 million uh, stature, 1 million followers right on Instagram. And the Instagram fame of faith is more pressing than actual discipleship. When you see... Uh, leaders and leaders are not perfect. I've never judged a leader for their imperfections. I've only just wanted accountability or at least honesty. But when you see that you can do this, this, and this, and there's no accountability, when you see that, you know, repentance is as simple as a common tweet, but yet there's no change. What do you tell somebody who looks at your organization, looks at you and say, all you preachers are the same. Y'all don't do nothing but take folks money, Y'all don't do anything but sleep around. Like, what do you say to these uh, harsh critics? Um, one of my favorite quotes that I live by is written by Tommy Tenney in the book, God Chasers. He makes a quote, nothing beats an argument but an experience. And I believe that you should share what's happening with you. It's anything that you um, encounter and deal with, you're going to have people who are uh, hypocritical and there's behaviors that their speech betray what they do. And I think it's important, as it was stated, I believe Elder Patterson mentioned it, that our life aligns with what we're saying. And that's that's one of the most critical things. We are in this culture where we seem to be more drunk with popularity than we are truth at times because we have, you know, the the, the social media. The reality is we can't separate ourselves from 
from it because it's how we reach people as well. We just have to be authentic in our presentation. And the reality is once people have been impacted in a radical way by an authentic move of God that silences that critic. And we have to make sure that when people come into our presence, that they are impacted by that authentic uh, move and feel of the presence of God, not in word only, but in action. And it is felt. And I think that's what it comes down to. The reality is it's happening in our churches and there's a lot of things involved in that. Um, in our churches, we are sometimes politically motivated. Sometimes we're uh, we're power motivated. We're motivated by position. We're motivated by money, even in our grand old church of God in Christ, which I am a part of. And if we're not careful, we'll choose popularity over anointing. Most times now in our churches and our positions, people don't get put in power because they're anointed. Now, that's tough for y'all to hear. But people get put in power because many times they're more popular. And I think it's important right now. And I think we are living in a day and time where I believe I hear God saying to us that this is what is going to shift. One of the things that happened coming out of 2020 uh, and Elder Patterson mentioned about separation, but I believe it's God's way of shifting us where he's not just promoting the popular He's promoting the faithful. And we need in this time more than ever before authentic voices, people that are speaking and saying what God is saying and that's operating in a power that's felt before, uh, that's felt the moment I enter the room and not just on what we see on media. And that's what it comes down to. We have to be real about what's going on. And what we need right now is people that is authentic, that's not going to be that's not going to be carried away by the politics of the church or the world, but that's going to speak to truth to power and hear and say what God is saying. Is that is that pressure? And I'll give you the follow-up uh, uh Pastor Fears. Is there is there pressure you talked about people are placed in position because of popularity. Uh, uh, let's say you have two people up for the same position, but one has the enormous amount of influence and the other might be used by God. And I think we're all human and you want attendance. You want people to gravitate toward uh, the gospel message and the truth and the organization and the ministry. Um, and I think there's battle with that. We would like to think that obviously the anointed one wins out all the time, but we know that's not the truth. Talk to us about the pastoral pressure of that. If you have a position up and you're debating between two individuals and both are of high integrity, but one just carries more influence, how does that decision-making process go? It's a little easier locally because the, the, the senior pastor care absorbs the brunt of the feedback and, and what happens. You can handle making a choice for the anointed. But on larger platforms, it's much different. Many times we can't handle the feedback from that. Many times I have seen it with my own two eyes. I'm not talking about something I heard. I have seen people have been placed on platforms to give words because they were afraid they couldn't hope the other one that was anointed couldn't maintain the crowd. It's a reality. So that's when it comes to what God has. God is doing it now. He's not going to do it. He's doing it now. He's putting people in positions of power now that's going to make decisions regardless of the fallout. 
That's where we have to be now. You have to remember. And so what happens all the time, we say, sometimes we say, oh, well, God, if he allowed it to be voted in or if he allowed this person to be, it must have been God involved. Just because God allowed it don't mean God ordained it. Because Saul was not God's choice to be king. He was not God's choice to be king. Saul in the Old Testament was the people's choice. And the prophet tried to give them a prophetic word of understanding that if you make this choice, God will allow it, but it is going to be bad. God's choice was David. He wasn't popular by the eyes of people. He was on the backside of the desert. His own family members didn't even recognize his stature. So you can have a person in power in the church and not be God's choice. That's the reality. So it's much more difficult. I'm not saying it's not hard. It's much more difficult on greater platforms when you're dealing with uh, impacting of people, money, prestige, power, and fame. It makes it more of a challenging decision. However, this is the season we're living in, but we're going to have to have pastors and leaders that are not afraid to make that decision and to make their voice. Listen, I am at a point right now, I've said this many times before, this is how I live. God spoke to me very clearly. I'm going to say this and I'm going to give it up. He told me these words, that the kingdom is greater than the organization. And what has happened, we have put organization and we let kingdom become second. The organization should be a tool in the hand of the kingdom, not the other way around. We need people right now that's going to hear God with sensitivity and respond in truth. I love it. Pastor Evans, uh, the organization or no, the kingdom is greater than the organization. So um, as as a pastor, as the leader, the the uh, uh, spokesperson is the person that sets the agenda and the tone uh, for the body as a whole. Uh, what pressure uh, is there that we're not seeing uh, the sheep? I think, let me rephrase this. I think, and I've shared this with Pastor Naaman and I have a great question for you, Pastor Naaman. I think the sheep and the shepherd used to be within reach. And now it seems like the shepherd speaks to the sheep, but the sheep are shepherding themselves in some aspect, not at ours, but I'm just saying as a whole. And I feel like with the advent of COVID, the sheep are eating from a lot of different tables now mm-hmm. and they're no longer getting their uh, food and their discipleship from the storehouse. Right. And if everything's not going to the storehouse, how can Malachi three and 10 be used? So tell me about that. Tell me about the dark conversations. I don't mean like dark, like I mean, like, tell me about the, the pressure that we're not seeing from an executive leadership position in the church as a pastor, as it relates to the sheep. And if I understand your question, um, there is, uh, and I think you hit it on uh, the head with um, your understanding of uh, talking about the great divide and especially with COVID uh, and uh, all of our members have been, are being exposed and eating from so many different tables. Um, and uh, I, I'll just say this. Uh, and, um, I, it is what it is, but the reality is it is what it is. Isn't that your right, right. <laughs> right plug? I appreciate um, that. <laughs> subscribe, subscribe, right? <laughs> One of the things that is very different from the, the today's church and, uh, church of yesterday was that, uh, you didn't have so many different 
individual ministries within one local church. Now you have so many individuals and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it, this, this is the difference. And so everybody who feels a call to ministry then has their own ministry. And so the, the, the pastor's agenda, the pastor's uh, voice uh, is not as potent because they are hearing and involved in so many different outside things. Um, and, and, and with that, there is this divide within the sheep and the shepherd. All these pastors on here will know there are folks in your church that you do not pastor. <laughs> you preach to them. Uh, they enjoy your preaching, uh, but because people have to allow you to shepherd them, they have to allow you to 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 pastor them, to lead them. And if they don't uh, allow it, or or if they feel that you know they they got it and they pastor themselves, they they got pastors across town. They got and so there's different, so many different voices. And uh, it, it drowns out that leader's voice. And so there are these conversations and these experiences that we're having with our folk. And, and let me just say this, because they're eating off of so many different tables, we are now dealing with a more confused, mixed up group of individuals because they don't even know what they are, believe because they are getting it from here. They're getting it from there. And so uh, post-pandemic, uh, we're going to have to deal and grapple with this in a very, very real right way. Um, and, and I don't want to say this in a, in a, in a, in a very uh, uh, high, you know, yeah. um, you know but, but we're going to have to re-indoctrinate. And I'm talking about biblically and, and uh, with a greater understanding uh, so people will have an understanding of what they believe. They will be catechized to understand truth, as, as Elder Patterson said. Uh, and I'm not talking about denomination. I'm talking about the Bible, biblical truth, biblical understanding. Because a lot of what our folks are now being exposed to with, with the rise of Facebook, Instagram, all of these different platforms, we're seeing so much junk portraying as truth until. If people don't know God for real, they will now be confused in a greater way. I hope that gets the message. That was that was worth that was worth your cash app flying across my screen. I should have had that logo ready. My bad on that one. Yo, Pastor David, um, I'll share this comment. J.J. Bell said, talk, Evans, individual ministries drowning out the true pastors. So let's go there. Individual ministries drowning out the true pastors. As the name is, you are a uh, pastor, uh, amazing uh, musician. You have played for a lot of different ministries, right? A lot of different uh, reformations. Uh, you have a firsthand account of having influence without having a talk. How do you how do you bring that influence in subjection with leadership? And where are we going wrong? Ooh. Um, 
one of the things that I believe that we have to do in the word that's been resonating with me um, has came from um, Pastor Fears is to be authentic. Um, I've played for over 39 churches, so I've seen it all. I play for Jack Legs. I play for the most anointed ones that may not ever got over 20 members. So I have a, I had an opportunity to see it all. But the one thing that I feel is that is that we have to be authentic. It's because you, you guys mentioned the word brand. I don't think there's nothing wrong with the brand that if it's the brand is true. I don't know if any of y'all ever have Facebook friends and they portray themselves a certain way. But when you see them in the mall and they speak to you and you be like, who is this? Because that's not them. I do not want the brand of the preacher of the brand of what we presenting as gospel. I don't want them to come to our churches and and come to um, our events. And the flyer is better than the actual service or the the video is better than what we are pushing. It's because then I believe that we have a false representation of who we are and what we are presenting. One of the things that I believe that is my niche and um, and I love the pastors on this panel. They allow me to be me. Like, cause I know that I'm, I'm, I'm out of all, all of us, I'm probably the, the closest that would get kicked out of our organization. I know that that's okay. But they allow me to be me. And through that, my authentic, my, my, my outlook on church, I believe that the people that come to our ministry um, are, are set and designed to be in the ministry because of it's authentic. Um, where are we going and to answer the second question? I think that we need to be able to embrace each other gifts like Pastor Evans, Pastor Patterson, pa- um, Pastor Fears. They, I embrace what you guys do. Like, it's so amazing to me, but I still have to be true to myself just because what is working for Pastor Fears. If I go out there like that, I am going to I'm not going to be authentic. And if I do draw somebody when they get the chance to know the real me. They'll know I'm phony or they will think I'm phony. Let me say they will think I'm phony. It's because I am I am perp- um, perpetrating something that I'm not. So I believe the post pandemic is calling for us to be authentic. I don't I understand this. And I know I get in trouble with this all the time. But my mama's watching. I'm being real. A lot of trouble. I understand the bread of life ain't for everybody. I'm fine with that. I get that. But. I do believe that there is a set people that are deigned to be in our ministry. So that's just, just like my outlook on it. It's just be true. If your brand, you got a brand, but let's, let's let it be true. So how do you be true? So I don't think you're the closest to getting kicked out. I mean, if anybody's on my Instagram page, I got at least three photos of my numbers, but that's because I work out a lot. So uh, how do you be, how do you be true? What is, what is truth? Is, is, is truth, um, talking about normalizing behavior. I mean, what? how does a preacher be true? For me, I, I can speak for me. I speak from where I am as well. Um, I learned, a lot, many may not know, but my father was a pastor, a cogent pastor. And, and for years, he was, he was somewhat successful. But in the last few years of his life, you know, when you get older, you really don't care what you say. When he got to that point where he was just so authentic, his church just began to expand. It was it was amazing. And I looked at that and I said, wow, I wish my father 
could have been that guy the last five years of his life than he was the previous years because in our in our organization there's certain things you you shouldn't say it's a way that you can go if you want to if you if you on a threshold to be promoted and I get that but um, for me the truth is where I'm at I don't I'm not looking for promotion even though I've been promoted I, I just not so it's just, it's I, I'm just be who you are that's the truth. Awesome. Pastor Patterson, we have an audience member that says, own your difference. I think that is a great segue. How do you own your difference? We're all um, uniquely designed, right? I think God is diverse. I think our personalities and our styles, it does not have to mirror each other. It can always stay on the truth of the gospel without necessarily mirroring each other's implementation and, and strategy about doing it. How do, how, how do you own your difference, Pastor Patterson? How do you separate yourself from the others and be authentically you? Excellent question. And um, just going to piggyback off of uh, what's already been said, that it really takes time to know who you are. It takes time where many of us feel, or I should say many of us have been processed by um, church-isms, We've been processed by colloquialisms. We've been processed by what we think gives us the greatest applause. And ultimately it produces demagogues. So we're not really speaking authentically as what's been said. We're pandering to a crowd. It takes time for you to become authentic. It takes consecration for you to become authentic. It takes that. And then it takes courage for you to be true to who you are. I mean, understand Elijah was an introvert. Elisha was an extrovert. Understand that Moses was used differently than Joshua was used. Understand David said, hey, King, I can't wear your clothes. I just can't do it. It's not going to fit. It won't fit me. It takes time. But when you look at David, you see that he spent time on the backside of the uh, wilderness. You see that he spent time alone. He wasn't hearing the other voices. He wasn't being influenced by other naysayers, by other uh, influences that would cause him uh, to become what others were. We don't see David trying to be Saul. We don't see Elisha trying to be Elijah. We don't see Joshua trying to be Moses. So it takes courage. It takes alone time. And I have learned that everybody that God uses uniquely has to have a wilderness experience. You have to have that. There's got to be a time where you just can't, folks not answering the phone call when you call them. There's a time when you're isolated. Jesus had a 40-day period in the wilderness. Even Paul, Paul said, you know what? Before, uh, he said, I had to go to the backside of the Midian desert in order for, or rather into the sands of Arabia, so that I can learn Christ afresh. I had to spend time with him by myself. And after a while, and truth be told, even learning yourself, you have to find yourself subject to leadership. 
<laughs> you got to be subject to leadership. Why? Because when you are under their covering, they're going to be able to cover your individual mistakes and errors. They're going to be able to watch out for you while you're learning, you're practicing. And then they're going to be able to lay hands on you and say, okay, now you're ready to go ahead and go out and be who you are. Now you got to go out. Now, now, now you're ready. That's why scripture says lay hands suddenly on no man. Uh, you got to be ready. And, and God gives us that a time of, of preparation while we're serving other leaders, while we're learning ourselves, while we're consecrating ourselves. Uh, and last point, because ultimately the enemy wants you to make a public shipwreck. That's what he wants. He wants you to make a public shipwreck because it's going to damage you, it's going to damage your family, it's going to damage the people that are around you. That's what he wants. He knows that you can be redeemed. He knows you can repent. He knows that you can come back. But the damage is lingering. And sometimes it's so strong and it's so prevalent that you might even have the word to say to a specific issue or what's going on. But because you've been damaged so badly, people won't hear you. So yeah, you got to be true to who you are. Be true to who you are. Pastor Fears, I think that leads into uh, a great segue. Uh, audience member AJ Edwards says, does a brand for ministry or church expire or need revamping? Sometimes we see the most popular brands in the natural change locals or marketing strategies. Does the word behold, I will do a new thing matter here? So I think it's because maybe the brand has been damaged to the point that maybe there needs to be a revamping uh, of its strategy. Talk to us about that revamp strategy. You know, I um I don't know what and I'm not going to pretend to know what church will look like pre uh post pandemic. I know that it's going to be a fight. And what I mean by that is spiritual, it's going to be a lot of work. It's not going to be this thing that you can just return and that's actually a, a follow-up question that I'll have and that'll kind of uh, wrap our segment up. I know returning to normal is not a thing anymore. There's no such thing as normal. So talk to us about this revamp strategy if you will. Uh, I, th I think it's a great question. It's an interesting question, but let me go this route. I believe that um, it's based out on vision. Um, branding for the church is not like branding for corporate America. We're not branding to accumulate money. We are branding to align with saving souls. So as it relates to the church, when you talk about church branding, I think it's all about vision. Without vision, people will perish. So our brand should be an interpretation of our vision from God. And God gives vision. So if you're saying, do we need to have new branding? I would say to you, somebody may need to have fresh vision. Because you want to hear from God about what he's saying for you to do right now. Now you got, I, I, I caution, I throw caution to the wind for people to be careful because sometimes you can be in a place in a church and you don't know what God is saying to that leader. You don't know what God is speaking to that leader. And just because you or somebody else wants it a particular way, that doesn't mean that's the way God is leading him. And so, or her. And so if God is leading in a particular way and you don't like it, that may that doesn't mean it needs a new branding. It just means you either need to change what you're seeing to align with the vision or you need to be somewhere where you can actually follow what God is saying. So you got to be really, really careful with that, because sometimes that's a power play 
for people to do what they want to do and not align with what God is saying. I think it comes down to vision. And it's important for us, especially as you go on stages. When I started pastoring, one of my prayers to God, one of my prayers to God is that, God, I want to be as relevant now as I will be in 20 or 30 years. You know why? Because one day your youth will betray you. You're not going to be the hottest thing. You're not going to be fresh off where everybody follows you because you knew. One day it's not going to be you young, so you're going to have a crowd. One day the millennials will be the baby boomers. Yeah. So then is, was it a, if you built everything about your, your generation, if you built everything about your popularity then, about what you know then, my son, who's 14, knows more about technology than everybody on here. And he's 14 and he's telling me stuff. And I thought I knew way more than my parents. What I'm telling you, we cannot get caught up in building things based on a set of time. We have to have a longstanding outlook of vision because vision from God will never run out. Branding will. In 20 or 30 years, if I got a relevant vision from God, if I'm anointed by God, consecrated here in him, you'll still be preaching a millennial message. And I'll be preaching what God is saying right now because the Bible, watch this, is what God has said. But what we preach is what he's saying. We should always be hearing God because if it was the case that God wasn't speaking, he would have stopped speaking after he, after he rested. But his word is constantly being revealed. What's working is his word in the earth. That's what's being revealed. Remember, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And I think that's what it comes down to vision. Even with McDonald's and with Apple, what changed was their branding first. What changed was their vision. When they get with Steve Jobs, when Apple was almost out, he brought Apple a new vision of what the technology can be that changed their branding, not the other way around. And we had a lot of people building brands, but not seeing vision. Well said. And I like the mention of the duality in time um, between that, what God has said, past tense. And when we quote it is what he's saying, because it's always echoing throughout eternity because he is eternity. I like it. I like it. Pastor Evans. And this is going to be the same question. And I'll throw some nuance to it, but this would be the last question. Cause I want to keep you guys in an hour because even though I am Kojic, I do not suffer from the same ailments as some of my Kojic predecessors. I believe in being timely and I, you know, seen Bishop Marshall sit down preachers for less. So I just, there's <laughs> some memories I can't shake. So Pastor Evans, I'm going to go this one with you. So this is a two-part question. Uh, the first question is returning to normal. I think it's been such a push. It's been a push in church. It's been a push in business. It's been a push in political agenda. Is that ultimately dangerous, this quote-unquote return to normal? And then the second part uh, what do pastors need? Shep, you know, people are always saying what they need, what they need. You know, but I'm reminded of the words of John F. Kennedy asked not, you know, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. What do pastors need? If you could speak and say, this is what I need, because I think a lot of times pastors bleed, but nobody hears the blood drop. Right. So I don't know. Right. And then I can't always convey it in an internal meeting. So the first question 
of uh, returning to normal. What does that mean for the church? And is that ultimately dangerous? And then the follow up, what do pastors need? So um, normal is not going to be normal anymore. Uh, and it is this new normal. Uh, we've been hearing that a lot, especially through 2020. The new normal. What is the new normal? Uh, I think every pastor, every ministry has to figure out what that looks like for their own individual ministries, what the new normal is. Uh, I, I think that we have uh, crossed the corner, uh, you know, thinking broadly about uh, all these afternoon services we used to do, you know, four o'clock, you know, services and all those kind of things. Uh, listen, we've crossed the corner where these folks, <laughs> they have used, they are now used to uh, technology and they can watch you from their homes. And so it's going to be hard enough getting them back to be in the pews on Sunday morning, let alone to have afternoon services, evening services, through the week services, this meeting, that meeting, that meeting. And so our new normal has to change. And what we've realized through this is that a lot of things that we were doing, I can talk about me personally, uh, were just not necessary. It just wasn't necessary. Um, and so it has had me to rethink a lot of things. It's had me to uh, 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 understand things differently uh, and uh, understand what the vision is going forward post pandemic and as well as helping people still grow and disciple them into uh, what God wants them to be. The second question was, uh, let me let me hear what you, what, what was the second question? Just What do one pastors day. need? What do pastors need? Uh, pastors need uh, a few things, but, but I, I personally think they need uh, platforms whereby they can talk with one another. Uh, we have to create spaces where pastors can speak to each other about what's going on. One of the worst things to happen is for leaders to bleed on their followers. Um, and so there are things as a leader you cannot and you should not share with your sheep and the people that are following you. And so you definitely need to be able to talk it out with somebody who understands who is in the same boat as you are. Uh, uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes preached a message a few weeks ago. We're all in the same boat. Yeah. And, and what this pandemic really did, it didn't matter if you were mega or you got 10 members. All of us had nobody in the church. Right. <laughs> and so 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 it put us all on the same level. But so we, we definitely need uh, opportunities whereby we can. And you got to have friends. you got to have brothers and sisters that understand, uh, that aren't, that aren't, uh, jealous, uh, but just that, that, that there are true authentic individuals in your life where you can talk to, uh, get some fresh perspective. Sometimes as leaders, you, we are narrowly focused and we've got to have people to share with past fears. And I will do this a lot. Hey man, what you think about so-and-so, what you, because you've got to be able to bounce ideas off of somebody else so they'll be able to share with share a different perspective uh, than what you are thinking. Awesome. Pastor Williams, um, to echo our audience member and then the follow-up question, the first question being define what is necessary. What is not necessary? Too many services? Question mark. And then the second question, uh, which is a repeat, what do pastors need? 
So I'm asking, I'm answering what is not necessary. What, yeah, what is necessary and then what is not necessary? Um, what is necessary is the word and worship. That's never going to change. It's because the word is for us, but worship is for him. So that, that, that dynamic can never change. I don't care if it's what year it is. The word is for us and worship is for him. So that dynamic is necessary. What is not necessary is for us to try to maneuver um, to be imposter. Let me use the word posture. Mm. So we could be in a position of fame, a position of promotion, um, a pos- or a position of being liked. Um, one of the things that my father always taught me, if I'm liked about everybody, then it, apparently I'm doing something wrong. So it's going to be some people who don't like what you're doing just because you're standing on what you're doing. So in, in that, um, and, I, I, and I, I have to concur with Pastor Evans, is an opportunity to just talk um, in a transparent way. Um, pastoring is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I've done a lot. But pastoring by far is the hardest thing I've ever done. I'm sure these pastors will tell you that it, it, we, we sleep with it. We wake up early in the morning. Matter of fact, we wake up in the middle of the night um, wondering if the decision that we made was the right decision. Yes, we're going to stand up in front of the pulpit and we're going to be defiant. But many times the decision that we made, we're praying to God. Lord, I hope I, I, I pray that this is the right decision, because many times and I'm sure my pastor friends will attest to this. Many times we're waiting on confirmation. We're waiting on confirmation, but sometimes a decision has to be made. So in that, we have to make a decision and say, Lord, I, 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 Lord, I know that you're with me. Um, what was the last question? Of, was it the, the, the What do the, pastors need? What do pastors, oh, need? pastors need? Pastors need an opportunity. That's it. We need an opportunity because many times we, because of a previous decision, Maybe because of the next decision, we won't have an opportunity to present it. It's because maybe a previous decision didn't go well. Um, a lot of our annual events come because we had a lot of pastors. We we came up with something real creative and it worked. But no one want to talk about the things that we did. It didn't work because they're not going to be annual. It didn't work. So we tell people, OK, we ain't going to put that on. A lot of times give us the opportunity and the time to work this thing out, because everything that we are putting out this creative is, is not going to work. So give us the opportunity uh, until we find out what does work. Awesome. Give us the opportunity to work. Pastor Patterson, I have a question from you from my audience members in the same follow up questions. What do pastors need? Allison Smith goes on to write. So what about the extra money for the churches that need it? I think if to rephrase it, I think the seed offering and the constant push for giving. I think most believers, even if they don't do it, they believe in tithes. Uh, they believe it's scripturally founded and it's God provided. And they believe in offering. It's the extra stuff that they might not agree with, right? So to answer that question, what about the extra stuff? What about the extra ask, the financial responsibility? And then the second question, what do pastors need? So the extra. One thing that God has been doing is uh, with, with respect to the local church, with respect to uh, jurisdictions, 
uh, certainly with respect to the national church, he sent us home. And when he sent us home, I do believe it was for spiritual pruning so that we can cut the fat, so to speak. We can rededicate our lives to the Lord. The pruning process is a way for us to become more efficient and more effective. So we're becoming more efficient and more effective. We're able to do more with less. I'm sure that if I were to get the survey from the pastors that are on this panel, you've probably seen in 2020 your giving increase in your bank accounts for the local church, tithing and offerings have increased. At least that's been the experience of our ministry and some of the other ministries that uh, I've been in contact with. But we haven't had an in-place worship service at our church since March of last year. So now the question is, okay, now if giving is increasing and we're not having a worship service in place, what's the difference? Well, again, it's going back to operating efficiently and effectively. Many times in our worship services, we ask a person to stand up and read the scripture. They give a testimony, they sing a solo, and then they read the scripture. <laughs> do what you're asked to do, and then that's going to trim a lot of the time that we waste in many of our worship services. Giving more time, as Pastor Williams was saying, to the word and more time to worship. One thing also in 2020, going into this year, being an opportunity of reflection from our local church. And I can also speak from our jurisdiction. I'm the jurisdictional secretary of our church, uh, of, our, of our jurisdiction. and I'm also the chairman of our budget committee. We've been able to completely revamp our budget, completely revamp it and see what was missing, see what was extra, honing it to such that we can relieve the local churches, relieve the saints and devote more time to doing what really matters. One of the things in our jurisdiction, we completely changed our budget. Well, the where we were, what we were doing uh, the old way caused districts to have extra auxiliary fellowship services, extra district meetings, so that now the budget that we have removes all of that. So that if you want to have a district fellowship service, you can have so, but it's not to raise money. And that's because, again, we were able to have time to spend to see exactly what was working. I do believe that when the spirit calls us to ask, we should certainly ask. And we should certainly uh, operate with that which and be wise stewards over that which we've been given custody of. Awesome. Awesome. And then lastly, just quick before I change the pastor, what do pastors need? What do pastors need? Pastors need saints of God that are filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. We need Holy Ghost filled believers and disciples at the church. I spoke with Bishop Cody Vernon Marshall maybe about 15 years ago, and he told me something I'll never forget. He said, bro, Patterson. <laughs> you know, when we always talk about Bishop Marshall, I use the voice. 75% <laughs> of the church don't have the Holy Ghost. That sounds like them. <laughs> that's what pastors need can you imagine if we had holy ghost field folk in the sanctuary how easy it would be to pastor i'm acquainted with pastor williams it's difficult pastoring folk that don't have the holy ghost that's what we need lord <laughs> pastor fears um so if that is true 
And and I remember Bishop Marshall saying that quite vividly. I remember saying it a few times. What is there a disconnect between uh, men? Well, I won't say that. Is there a disconnect between having church and having God? Because if we're not creating conversion, I had a conversation uh, with uh, Robin, Pastor Evans Bird. I was we were talking about creating conversion between live views and YouTube views, and it seems like you can get one, but creating the conversion—that's the trick. If there's not a conversion, then are we just throwing darts in the dark? And then obviously the the same question: What do pastors need? Well, the 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 church, our responsibility, especially as pastors and leaders, is to preach the gospel of Christ and to lead an atmosphere to which change can happen because everybody that comes through the doors may not get saved that day. And sometimes they may not get saved or converted, if you will, at your church. That may have been the seed. Remember one planteth another one, another waters, but God gives the increase. And sometimes it's our responsibility to give the seed. We can never be discouraged by the immediate physical outcome. I think the job of the church is to make sure that we're doing what's what what God has given us to do in that moment, creating an atmosphere of change, creating an atmosphere where the word is authentic and true. And then at, at, at my local church, we have learned to focus on what we do well at Overcomers Life Church. I think what happens is a lot of the times of the church or the local church try and take on so many things to be so many, uh, so much to everybody that they can't give their best to the areas that they do well. If you come to Overcomers Life Church, you will be able to identify what we do really, really, really well. And that's what we put our resources, people and money into because we understand that I may be able to do five things amazing, but I may not be able to do 15 amazing. But my brother may do three or four that I don't do at an exceptional level. So I think the recognition of that, and Pastor Naaman had alluded to that too as well, knowing what you do, pouring your resources into the area where change can happen, creating that atmosphere in, in your local church. And listen, and, and, and and if we do that, we'll see conversion, if you will, happen because discipleship, true discipleship is not a one time thing. Remember, disciple means to be a disciplined follower that denotes a process of time where you are learning how to mature. Uh, our scripture teaches us to grow in grace. And as we see the light walk therein and that we should walk worthy of the vocation. That means that's a moving that that is a that is a time being uh, learning and growing. And we should have mechanisms in place that are focused on discipling people after they have had the life changing experience with the presence and the power of God. Um, that will bring me to the second part of your question. Right. Uh, and the second part of your question is what do pastors need? And I think these brothers said it, to be honest with you. We need an outlet and a platform to share with one another, uh, to to uh, sharpen one another and to um, make each other better. And we also need Holy Ghost filled people. I call it discipled people, because if you get people that are totally sold out for God, even if you don't do it right in the past, even if you miss it, 
they ought to help pray you back to your mind. Because sometimes the pastor uh, who we are imperfect people carrying a perfect gift with inside of us because every good and perfect gift comes from above. So sometimes we don't make the right choice. But if your heart is right, you're not making a malicious choice. But when you get people who are discipled and love God for real, then they know how to go before God for you. And they won't leave your church in three days because you let the made the ushers wear black and white. They understand that there's a sensitivity to that. And they and they and they and they pray for you. And listen, if we if we can stay in there, that's what the, that's what we need. We need people that are uh, that that are sold out to God, because I don't want a bunch of people. If you get a bunch of people following personalities, you might be in trouble. You want people sold out to God so they can properly interpret the proper use of the local church. Then let me tell you this. And then there's a lot of, let me just, I just, this may not, I'm just jumping on this because uh, a lot of the people that want to say what the church doing and um, what, what, where's what they're doing with the money. The first question I want to ask you is what church do you go to? Whoever, whoever posted that, what church do you go to? Because if you're not in a place where you feel that you can give there, you're in the wrong place. Where your treasure, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Also, yeah. Okay. So if your heart is in a place, you'll find your money there. If you don't feel like your money can be spent with accountability and in a proper way, perhaps either you're not sowing at all or you're in the wrong place. Because when you really love what you're in and you know there's accountability there and you know you're receiving a word from God there that's life, you're going to give there. That's why Overcomers Life Church, we don't, and I know many of you are like, I don't spend all day taking five and six and seven. I don't get time for all of that seven offerings. There is a culture of giving. And when you have a culture that's properly established, you don't have to force it. You just do it because that's what it is. Everybody knows in our ministry when you walk in the door that the culture of giving is what's understood. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But if you're in a church where you don't have that type of culture, that's impacting your giving. Perhaps either you need to start giving or change where you're sowing. You heard what he said. Start giving or get saved or change where you're sowing. Look, I want to appreciate my guests so much i want to thank my audience for being there you know mondays at 6 30 p.m central standard time it goes down i love doing the live stuff i'm doing a lot of pre-recorded episodes as well just stay connected subscribe to the youtube page the cv space k next week's episode is surviving cuffing season the christian way i have some great christian singles coming on the thing and i'm gonna push them i'm gonna really push those buttons if you have any questions you want to ask definitely i'll ask them but the link is below i'm gonna let them show where they can connect to you pastor average where can the people connect with you they can connect with me on all platforms, uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Freedom Temple, Church of God in Christ. You can look us up. Uh, and uh, if you look up Kojic churches uh, in Chicago, uh, you we, I think we're number one. So just look us up and we'll be there. Thank you guys for all your Yelp reviews, you know, Google reviews. We try. I'll be on Google like now. Nah. <laughs> Pastor David Wells, where can the people connect with you? I want to know what number I'm going to be. Let me put that on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, NamingWilliamsMinistries.com, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I'm everywhere. I love you and thank y'all for the opportunity. I love my brothers. Thank y'all.
Awesome. Pastor Patterson, where can they connect with you? You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram. You can certainly go to my website. Um, you go to kingdomtemple.net. You can go to adrianics.com. Uh, but certainly if you come to Peoria, Illinois, we are not difficult to find. <laughs> it's not difficult at all. You can just top on through. Matter of fact, when you cross the bridge, just come on in. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Pastor Fears, where can they connect with you? Very easily. If you go to marcelfears.org, you'll find Overcomers Life Church, Prenation Worldwide, and Marcel Fears Ministries all in one space. So make sure you connect with us there. And again, thank you, brothers. I love all these brothers, man. Keep going forward in God. Pastor Fears, give a shout out to what's coming up next. What are you about to drop? <laughs> man, thank you. Matter of fact, you're going to have me on real soon. I can't wait. So, uh, really quickly, be on the lookout. God gave us a brand new book. We're going to be releasing it. It's called Seven Principles to Love Again. It's about bringing proper clarity to our love life with God vertically that impacts our relationship with others horizontally. I believe it's going to bless a whole lot of people. In February, we're going to be opening pre-orders for the book, and we will be premiering the mini movie that goes along with Seven Principles to Love Again as we drop it. It is going to be amazing. And Cody, I can't wait to be on your show. And uh, we're going to talk a whole lot about it. I believe, I believe it's going to heal a lot of people where they hurt the most, and that's the heart level. So thank you so much. Seven principles to love again. If you want to pre-order before the pre-order, drop me a note, send me a message, family somewhere, and I will sign the first 300 copies we're going to send out. Thank you. Awesome. Got the movie coming out too. I'm jealous, man. I wasn't casting for anything even called, but it's all right. You know, God is still blessed in the kingdom. Connect with these great men of God. And until next time, guys, thanks so much.